if you have a Bible or if you want to borrow one of the red ones in our pews, um, would you turn to Psalm 42? I know the bulletin says Luke 19, um, and that was what we were originally going to do. We were going to start a new series today on discipleship, and we are going to start that next week. Uh, but instead, this morning, we're going to sit in the psalm for a little bit. Psalm 42 and 43. If you're using a red Bible, it is on page 268. Uh, psalms 42 and 43, they go together. And they're songs of lament. It is a song written by a gentleman, uh, a faithful Israelite, who is going through a difficult season of life, who is feeling distressed and whose life circumstances seem to be too much for him to control. And so we're going to read this psalm and talk about it. And I hope that it is uh, healing for you, uh, as it was for me in preparing this message. And so we're going to read Psalms 42 and 43 and then talk about it. On page 268. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with loud shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls out to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Is, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and the unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation 
and my God. Let's pray. Oh God, sometimes we feel far. Sometimes you feel far. This morning, may we hear these words in your spirit and may they bring comfort. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Back in college, the Lord did some amazing things in my life. I had a tremendous experience of a season of Christian growth. Maybe you've had a season like that in your life. It was a time where I was part of a great Christian community. I started reading my Bible day after day after day. I just couldn't get enough. I I was really fighting sin for the first time in my life. I I was sharing the gospel with classmates. It it was a tremendous season of growth. I, I felt my affections for Jesus increase more and more. Have you ever had a season of life in which you felt the Lord become more and more precious to you? It was in that season where as suddenly as a rain cloud that comes on a hot day came over my life and suddenly I found myself in the depths of despair and depression something that I would later come to call and know by as spiritual depression, a season of darkness. I I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to do anything. All I wanted to do was sleep. It was like I lived each day hoping to go back to bed, and I wished that I could have just slept and then woken up days or weeks or months later. And all of it would pass. There were days where I would open up my Bible because I knew I should be reading God's word. And yet my eyes would glaze over the words and I'd close it feeling further from God than I did before I opened it. Have you ever had that kind of experience? A, A season of what seems like walking through a desert of dryness. A, a, a wilderness where God seems so far away. That's what's going on in this psalm. This man feels far from God. And a friend of mine encouraged me in that season to start reading the psalms. And I came across this psalm. And it, perhaps for the first time, it it provided words for my experience. Something I hadn't seen in scripture before, and it was wonderful. As one pastor says about the Psalms, it is here in this book that we are able to watch noble souls struggle with their problems, struggle with themselves. They talk to themselves and to their souls. They bear their hearts out. They analyze their problems. They chide and encourage themselves. Sometimes they are elated, and other times they are depressed, but they are always honest with themselves. That is why they are of such a real value to us if we will be honest with ourselves. Friends, I know that many of you this morning are going through a season of wilderness. I know that there are challenging circumstances at work, uh, in your families, 
I know that there are physical ailments hurting you. I know that there are tensions in your relationships. I, I know that there are fears and anxieties. I, I know that there are fears. I am even anxious about this church and about my life. And if I'm anxious about life, I can only imagine that you are too. And in those times of anxiety, God can feel far. So let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be real about where we're at this morning. And let's ask, God, where are you? And let's pray that the Spirit would use his word to encourage us today. In this psalm, we see the severity of this man's suffering. We see the causes of his suffering, and then we learn from him what are we supposed to do in that situation too. So we're going to look at his, the severity of his sufferings, the cause of his sufferings, and what are we supposed to do? First, the severity of his suffering. Look with me at verse 1. He begins, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. This man, his soul is wasting away. It is crumbling from his hands. He is parched. He is thirsty. He is dried out. And like a man wandering through a barren desert, he is desperate for water. And there is water, but it's not refreshing. In verse 3, it says, my tears have been my food day and night. There is water, but it is not refreshing his soul. They are streams of tears bearing down his face as he weeps day and night. The psalmist cannot even find sleep because as he lays down, the tears keep coming. This is deep, spiritual, emotional pain. It is intense, it is weighty, it is dark. And we see that highlighted three times in this psalm. There is this refrain in verses 5, 11, and then 5 of chapter 43. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Why are you cast down? He's not saying, why is your face lowered? He's not saying, why, why is your face turned away? He's saying, why are you cast down? Why are you throwing yourself down on the floor? This is a word that describes someone who has nothing left to offer. This is someone who has given it all there is. There is nothing left. He is wasted away. He is spent, and his soul is cast down to the ground. He's burnt out. There's no more joy. He's worked all of his energy. He is done. And his soul is in turmoil. And that turmoil, it's not just knots in one's stomach, although I'm sure he felt that. This turmoil describes when nations rage against nations, when waves crash into the sea, that is turmoil. When, when dogs who are standing guard at night howl and bark at the enemy, that is turmoil. And that is happening in this man's soul. His soul is roaring at itself, crashing into itself. He is raging in his soul. 
This man is not merely uncomfortable with what is going on. He is tearing himself apart. Have you ever had these sleepless nights? Tossing and turning, thoughts darting across your mind. Your arms and legs are tensed up. You can't relax Have you ever raged within your soul, paced around the room, talking to yourself, trying to figure out what is going on? Have you ever had the kind of day where you just go and go and go? You're spending all your energy getting through every difficult situation. You've got meetings that you don't want to go to. You've got conversations you don't want to have. And you're just trying your hardest to get through the day. And then you finally lay your head on your pillow, seeking rest, but it's just... More and more stress and thoughts run through your mind, and you can't find rest. That is what this man is going through. Take heed and know that if you are going through that now or have gone through that or will go through that, you are not alone. We know of this man's suffering because he was willing to share it. May we, too, be willing to invite others into the severity of our own suffering. Second, let's look at why. Why is this man suffering like that? What is the cause of this turmoil within him? And I see three reasons in this passage. First, this man is dealing with difficult people. In verse 9, he asks, Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries are taunting me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? This singer, he's facing mocking and ridicule from ungodly, wicked people around him. They are speaking words to him that are piercing his bones The childhood limerick is so false. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is garbage. Words hurt. And they have the power to stick in our heads and our hearts and hurt us. But these men aren't just speaking hurtful things. They are accusing him wrongly. He's being tormented by an unjust situation. And he cries out in verse 1 of, Chapter 43, vindicate me, O God. Defend my case against these ungodly people from this deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. Have you ever been treated unjustly? Have you ever been accused of doing something that you did not do? And this man is suffering at the hands of someone who is treating him unjustly. This man is wicked. But not only is he dealing with difficult people, he's also suffering from circumstances around him that are overwhelming. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. These are illustrations, two water illustrations. The first is waterfalls, two waterfalls crashing into a valley. And the second is the rising tides and waves that come to sweep away. Both of these are illustrating the situation in which all of a sudden, 
The situation around him has risen to a point that he is no longer in control and is being swept away. If you ever go to the beach, you will see warning signs, warning about the rip currents that can come so suddenly. And if you're in the water and can't get out, it can drag you out to sea. This man is in the midst of circumstances that are overwhelming him. He is suffering. And all the while in the midst of this, he remembers how good it used to be. He used to have peace and joy and tranquility. In verse 4, he says that he remembers how he used to go with the people of God in Jerusalem at the temple as leading of the procession up the steps to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. There used to be joy in his life, but now there is none. He remembers that it hasn't always been like this. There have been better times. There used to be joy. There used to be celebration. There used to be happiness. But now there is only wave after wave crashing down around him. But it is this longing for happier times that we see the third reason why he is suffering and perhaps the strongest reason why he's suffering. Look at verse 3. He feels far from God. Sorry, look at verse 2. He says, my soul thirsts for you, God. Verse 3, the people say to him all the day long, where is your God? And then in verse 9, he says, why have you forgotten me? This man is in a spiritual wasteland. He is seeking after God. He wants to come into the house of God. He wants to be filled with the joy of God, but God seems so far from him. He is far from the presence of God, yes, in worship through the Spirit, but also physically. He says in verse 6 that he remembers him from the land of Jordan, from the Mount Mizar. This is the northernmost point in the land of Israel far north of the Sea of Galilee. He is nowhere close to Jerusalem. He is being forced away from the house of God. He longed to be in the presence of God, but something prevented him, and he was in turmoil. This morning, uh, Julia is, is sick, and so Sarah is at home with her, and we had to tell Theo that he couldn't come to church today because I'm up here, I couldn't sit with him, and, uh, and he wept. He wept that he could not come to church today. He longs to be with the people of God. Do you lament on Sundays when you are unable to come and worship? Is that something that stirs within you and leads to tears? This man, he is prevented from coming into worship, and it is destroying him. He feels that he is far from God. Worse than that, he feels that God is far from him. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever asked yourself, God, where are you? Maybe it's looked different. Maybe, maybe you've asked, God, what in the world are you doing right now? Why didn't you stop that from happening? 
Why aren't you bringing healing and restoration? God, why am I hurting so much? God, why? Where are you? Where are you? Why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not showing up? Why are you not providing for me? Where are you? Why do you feel so far from me? It can feel painful when we're around people who mock us and hurt us with their words. It can feel painful when we are treated unjustly. It can be hard when circumstances arise that are outside of our control and we don't know what to do. But the worst of the worst is to feel abandoned by God. That is why this man is suffering. It's because he longs for the Lord and the Lord has seemed to abandon him. He says in verse 9, why have you forgotten me? So what do we do? What do we do in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the rising tide? What do we do when we feel God has forgotten us? This psalmist gives us two things to do. First, talks to God, and second, he talks to himself. First, he talks to God. And it's so simple as that, right? He prays. I mean, this whole psalm is a prayer. Verse 1 of chapter 42, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And then in 43, Vindicate me, O God. This is a prayer directed at God. His sufferings do not turn him away from God. It leads him to God. And just as you and I would turn to a spouse or a close friend in the midst of a difficult time, we are encouraged to seek the Lord and pray to him, to let him know what we are going through. He will sit and listen and does not judge. He does not interject. He does not try to correct. He does not interrupt. He will listen to us. He is the supreme listener. He doesn't only care about healing us in our suffering. He cares about hearing about our suffering. I think too often my prayers are just asking for things and thanking him for things. It's like my prayers have typically been Christmas list things that I would send to Santa when I was a kid. Like, God, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And then I would get them, and then what i do, I'd write a thank you note. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God. What, what would it look like if our prayers weren't Christmas lists or thank you cards, but were one of those year-end Christmas cards that we send to family and friends, laying out what has been going on in our life over the last year, what has been challenging? Where have we seen celebration? Where are we looking for something? This is what God is calling us to do, is to write him a Christmas card, to tell him what is going on in our lives, to bear our soul to him. He is listening to us. He will not abandon us. He will not reject us. So let us talk to him. He is listening. Secondly, though, the psalm not only talks to the Lord, he talks to himself. He talks to himself and reminds himself of the Lord's faithfulness and of his own trust in the Lord. 
He reminds himself of the Lord's faithfulness. Look at verse 8. He says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. He's reminding himself of the steadfast, promise-keeping, covenantal, long-suffering love that will not fade. It will not wither away. It is unconditional. We do not make it go away with our sin. He says, by day I will rest in his promises. And then by night, his song will be on my heart. As I lay down to rest in my head and in my heart, his song will be there. Notice the contrast at this point. Earlier in the psalm, it was day and night I am weeping and it is tears that I am eating. But now I rest in the covenant love by day and I sing his song by night. He is reminding himself of the Lord's faithfulness. And then he also reminds him of God's own word. He says in verse 3 and 4 of the second chapter, send out your light and your truth. Let it lead me. Let it lead me up to your holy hill, your place of dwelling. He is reminding himself of the very word of God that leads him to worship. But we see him talk to himself most clearly in this refrain that is repeated again and again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I will praise him again. He is my salvation and my God. He tells himself three times, like he's grabbing his own collar, shaking him alive. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. You will praise him again. He is your God and your salvation. In the midst of our suffering, in our dark seasons, in our emotional turmoil, we must remind ourselves of who God is, what he has done for us, and what he has promised to do for us yet. It is God alone who can take us up from the valley of despair. That is why it's so important to meditate on God's word, to have it drip into our minds and our hearts so that in those seasons of darkness, when you open up the Bible and nothing sticks, in those moments where you are longing for God, then his word will be on your heart. We need to meditate on the word day and night so that we have the promises of God to cling to. But we have one more trick that this psalmist does not have. We have one more way to get out of the valley of despair that this man did not have. When we are feeling down, when that darkness closes in, when the fire has gone out and we are parched, dried out, crumbling, what do we do? We look to Jesus. We look to the cross. As Jesus was lifted high on the cross, he was there suffering. He went through tremendous pain. It wasn't just the physical nails through his hands like the psalmist, and like ourselves, he heard the mocking words of his enemies. They cried out and said, where is your God? Why can't you save yourself? He was spit on. 
He was tried unjustly. He was oppressed by the wicked. And as he hung on the tree, just like the psalmist and just like us, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why do you feel so far? We can look to the cross and see in our Savior a man who has suffered far more than we have. And so in our suffering, let us go to him. He knows what we are going through. But when we look at the cross, we cannot just say, he knows what I'm going through. We have to ask, why? Why is he suffering? Why is he on the cross? He didn't just go to the cross so that we would have someone to say, I know what you're going through. On the cross, when he was suffering, he was there because of our sin. I said earlier that our sin requires a sacrifice. And that is what he was doing on the cross. He was suffering in our place, taking upon himself our sin. So that when he did cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing in that moment separation from his father, abandonment from God. Maybe you haven't had enemies mock you. Maybe you haven't been unjustly dealt with. But I know that every one of us in this room has sin in our lives. And our greatest enemy loves to take that sin and use it against us and say, look at your life. Look at what mess you've made of your life. Look at these circumstances that are outside of your control. You think that God loves you? Look at your sin. This is because you've messed up. God has certainly abandoned you. He's certainly let you go. But when Jesus died on the cross, he has taken away the power of that voice. The next time you hear that mocking voice that says, look at what you've done. Where is your God? This is what you say. You say, because Jesus Christ suffered in my place, because Jesus experienced the abandonment of God in my place, there is now nothing in my life. There is no sin in my life. There is no circumstance in my life that can ever take away the love that God has for me in Jesus. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I would never have to ask again, my God, my God, where are you? One day, I know that this will all be restored. We know that because Jesus Christ not only died on the cross, but was buried and was raised again. The tomb is empty. One day, there will be restoration. One day, we will be healed. One day, we will be vindicated. One day, we will have everything restored. One day, we will not need Psalms 42 and 43. 
there will be no more suffering. There will be no more fear or anxiety. But until then, let us ask the Spirit to mold our prayers to better reflect the words of this psalm. Let us pray for the Spirit to conform our words to the words of this psalm and hold on to the promise of God's faithfulness that he has shown us in his Son. Let's pray.